It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. How is everybody doing this week? Welcome to another episode of John's Untitled Podcast. I am your host, John. This week's guest is J.M. Lopez of the band The Body Rampant. J.M. and I ended up getting to have this discussion thanks to a mutual friend, Grant Trimbali. Grant and I have known each other for a handful of years uh, living here in Michigan, and three or four years ago, Grant ended up moving out west. A band he got really excited about upon moving out there was this band, The Body Rampant, and he would send me links to songs and videos and all that kind of stuff. Uh, very much something that you know a friend does when they're very excited about a band and, and want to share this new music that they're really passionate about. Uh, and Grant is very much those things, very passionate about music. And Grant and I share a mutual love of a lot of very eclectic bands. So uh, I've been aware of this band for probably at least since 2000, I would say like main, like on my active radar, I'm listening to it probably since about 2013, 2014. So about three to four years now. And it just kind of seemed like for every text or facebook message that grant would send like hey here's this new song here's this new ep you know like i know you're booking bands you know maybe we can try to work on something to get this band out here to you or maybe a band that you know from somewhere else like you know we as you'll end up hearing in this conversation uh toward the very end of it at one point grant and the body rampant and myself and, and my friends and son and flesh uh we were trying to work on a tour for the both of them and that would basically uh get them from their respective coasts, east and west, and kind of do like a little run. And it, it didn't end up coming to fruition, but uh, that kind of, I think, gives you an idea of, uh, of how Grant and I's relationship is. Like, we're both very excited about bands. Uh, he's more so a behind-the-scenes kind of guy, and I guess to a degree so am I uh, with booking shows and stuff. But um, Grant's one of those very ambitious dudes, and, and whenever he sends me a band, uh, it seems like, you know, that band always is just on the cusp of of you know kind of breaking or becoming a big band like uh strawberry girls right now is a band that's that's all over the place and i'm seeing kind of blowing up right now and that's a band i think grant had showed me about probably again three or four years ago uh so it's it's one of those things where uh grant's always kind of got his fingers on the pulse of what's kind of the hot and upcoming bands and the hard-working bands and the body rampant always seemed to be one of those bands to me that for every album or ep they're getting ready to put out and all the buzz you know like how well it was doing uh that i would see like you know people sharing the songs and so forth and grant kind of sharing those statuses it just kind of seemed like the band never really you know kind of got to that second level of of where i kind of was expecting them to go and i don't know how much of that is just you know things not being ready where they need to be and as you'll kind of hear in this conversation with jm a lot of it is that the band does things on their own own time and if it doesn't feel right you know they just don't take they don't do things because oh well this will be easy let's sign with x label and start touring a whole bunch and start doing shit that's not the way we want to do it and, it and kind of pushing out a product maybe that isn't who they are so i i've always kind of had like a push-pull kind of relationship with the body rampant as far as like i get excited for these things because you know grant's teasing it and so forth and and then it just kind of seems to kind of go nowhere like not necessarily nowhere in the sense of like the band's disbanded or anything but it's like oh here's this new ep they're kind of playing around they're getting on like south by southwest you know playing some really good shows and then they just kind of disappear for a little bit 
And then when they come back, like their reemergence of sorts ends up being new songs, new videos, you know, and you kind of like go like, oh shit, I remember like how much I really like this band. I'm really excited. And then it just kind of goes away for a little bit again. And it was kind of interesting in talking with Jam to find that that's, that's very much not done, not on purpose. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for bands. Like I was, like I was just saying that, you know, know what they want to do, know who they are, know the path that they want to take. And anything less than that is kind of selling themselves short. And it's great to see, you know, with the band recently signing to Tragic Hero Records, like it seems like they're kind of ready to take that next step that I've kind of feel like they've been show like flirting with for the last handful of years. Uh, I was really surprised after South by Southwest that they didn't basically just become the next big fucking band out of, you know, out of the West Coast and everyone talking about them because they definitely earned a buzz uh, from from industry friends I have that caught them and so forth. Um, this was also an interesting kind of chat because uh, with I kind of try not to ask the same questions, even though I, I, I mean, I've already mentioned something I think I've brought up in at least three or four conversations at this point. Um, but with that being said, it, it's kind of hard when you're talking to a band that has a fan base, is signed to like a, a label, uh, depending on the varying sizes of the labels, mini majors, majors, whatever, independents. But I try to straddle the line of asking questions as if no one knows who this band is, while also sounding like someone who at least has listened to this band more than for five minutes before they did the interview. And I think that's kind of challenging because you try to ask questions that are very streamlined, like with the Greta Von Fleet thing, that band has been asked so much about their name, their band name for so long, I just chose not to ask it because it's like, you can listen to any interview, you can read any interview, you can read most band bios of that band and find the answer to that question. So the need to ask it was kind of pointless. And, you know, I know that in this conversation, I talk about the masks uh, for a little bit, and it's hard to not bring it up. I mean, it's such an identifiable part of this band. But as a, as a music fan and as someone who takes a lot of... Uh, takes a lot into reading, you know, CD booklets and I buy physical media and, you know, there's, I feel like everything a band does from the, the album artwork to stuff inside the liner notes to things presented in music videos or whatever, like it all matters. It's all part of a big story. It's all part of a bigger narrative. And with a band that has these masks and as you'll hear in the interview, you know, it is a big part of the band. It is a big part of the evolution of, of the band's album covers and music videos. And so it was kind of interesting to think of the questions of how, you know, maybe they can progress their image with these masks a la like a Slipknot or something like that, or even take it even further and do something to where, you know, the the mask maybe tell part of a, a narrative within the story of an album or within the album artwork, kind of like how they used it with uh, Alex Party. So again, it's kind of it's kind of the balancing act of acting like no one knows who this band is and kind of getting a good background, but also not boring you with the same information you can hear everywhere. And at times, I think you definitely get the impression that uh, JM has kind of heard some of these questions a few times and. You know, apologies for that, but like I said, it's it's me just trying to find that, that happy medium of uh, informing people who may not know who this is, as well as, 
digging a little bit deeper for those who do know who this is and maybe listening to the conversation and, and looking for something that they haven't heard. So with that, hopefully you find a good balance between learning something new as well as learning something you know that's commonly known about the band but maybe asked in a completely different way so without further ado this is my conversation with jm from the body rampant play the uh, play the thing in <laughs> actually that, that will be something i end up bringing up anyway so um so i'm here with jm lopez jm as most people call you as far as i know grant just told me they you go by jm so <laughs> yeah. um you are the singer of the band the body rampant and as you could hear you playing guitar i one of the questions i actually was going to ask you is do you play an instrument and how much of the songwriting do you actually do for the band mm. um but we will get to that shortly let's uh start a little bit with a background on you and, and how you got into music and stuff like that yeah um uh i think my like my uncle got me into music when i was like nine or ten he kind of like you know show me bands like Green Day and all those OG bands you listen to when you're a kid, Nirvana, Aerosmith, all that kind of classic rock stuff. Um, and he <laughs> he wanted me to play bass, and so I was like, no, nah, I want to play guitar. So um, my brother and my parents and stuff, they got me like my first guitars, you know. I was like, just Sears catalog, cheap shit, you know. And then um, just slowly started getting better strats and stuff. I, just, I was taking guitar lessons from this like amazing jazz guitar player for about four years and then I was like his little protege you know I was like his his little dude you know and I was just like always with him and then started a band you know it was just high school band just like pretty much normal after that point you know just touring and stuff ever since I was like 15 so and I'm 32 now so so you know. obviously then it, I mean we're the same age I think I got you by a year but uh so, I mean, you mentioned sort of classic rock and, and Green Day, which I don't think I would have considered classic rock, but I guess at this point, with as long as they've been around, I, I guess to a degree, they are sort of a classic <laughs> rock band. Uh, not necessarily in sound, well, but... Well, you know what I mean, but like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like all around that same time, You're like when you're a kid, you're getting into like all this shit at the same time, it like hits you, so it's like... That was back when Nirvana was cool, and then Kurt was still alive at the time, I think. And... Yeah, it was a crazy time for like alternative music back then. So, growing up uh, out west where you are, uh, I always feel like you know something like when I was listening to your EPs and the one full length and a couple of the singles you've put out over the last <clears throat> uh, shit, I guess six years now. I didn't even realize it's been that long. Uh, over the last six years, you know, I, I caught up, picked up on a lot of influences uh, to me that I hear, and what's interesting is some of the the sounds that I hear are stuff from that would have been around the time we were in high school, like the, the two thousands bands that kind of started mixing 
sort of the rawness of like you know the the very beginnings of you know green day and nirvana and stuff like that like a band like the use like i really when yeah. listening to uh the ep today i was like man this really sounds like in love and death the like just as far like how not necessarily all over the place but just like how sincere and like honest it sounds while showcasing a lot of different dynamics of the band and i feel like a lot of bands from that time period that that emo scene uh quote unquote for those who aren't going to see the visuals of me using my fingers but uh you know i kind of it reminded me of like how genre pushing that time period of music was and i kind of realized that a lot of it was due to you know bands like you're saying like nirvana and green day and a lot of these bands that also were pushing genres and melding them together. So how much of that, though, was due to growing up in California and having a lot of those bands, you know, like you're they're not my my thing that I'm really into. But like Sublime must have been like a huge thing around that time out living out there yeah. and being around when it was, you know, there's still a, a relevant band being active. Yeah, I mean, I grew up listening to like Sublime's earlier records, like 40 Ounce to Freedom, like Robin Hood and stuff. I would like. The first, like, time I smoked weed was, like, with my sister listening to those records, you know, and, like, 311 was right. huge out there. Um, a lot of people listened to, like, the, like, the Expendables and, like, Slightly Stupid. I never got that far in, like, the reggae and stuff, but mm -hmm. Green Day and, and Rancid were really big because they blew up in the 924 Gilman scene in Berkeley, and so that was, like the OG like underground punk thing, but then it got out of hand, you know, they got the major label deal. Green Day got banned from that venue and ninety four Gilman's actually still doing its thing. It's still like really a volunteer ran, um kind of like a collective. It's out of Berkeley. So it's kinda it's in like Oakland. It's in the hood. Like <laughs> I've had my car my sister's car got broken into at several of the shows we've been to there and it's just a really sketchy spot, but it's where a lot of the like the DIY bands that were true, what was going on, like Hot Water Music and Alkaline Trio when they were starting out, all all those bands came through there. So the Bay Area scene was just, was really cracking back then for sure. It was really notable for having, you know, you got the Great American Music Hall, you got the Fillmore, you have Slims, you have just all these such good venues out there. And the promoters were just killing it too. Dude, was being able to go see a lot of these bands and seeing a few different sort of subgenres of music between you know like you're saying hot water music or yeah. alkaline trio and and stuff like that was seeing a lot of those bands in your formative playing years like do you think that shaped like a lot of you like being able to kind of pull influences from all this kind of stuff yeah because alkaline was playing like when they when they came out with god damn it, it was their first record through asian man records which was a, it's a label ran by mark mike park out of oakland which he's he's goes really far back in that like genre pushing when they were doing ska mixing ska with jazz and and all this kind of crazy punk and hardcore and bands like mu330 and slow Gurk and all these bands were coming through humble too which was like four hours north of san francisco which is where i'm from it's where i'm at right now um but there was yeah there was so i, I think i'm just used to like kind of genre pushing stuff but not like too crazy it's all about kind of like finding two things that haven't really maybe haven't been done before. So that's kind of what we're starting to do now with the newer stuff that we haven't released yet is like we're mixing like kind of like progressive tapping and progressing like progressive jazz stuff with like the emo more influenced rock stuff that we've done in the past. So it's cool. It's uh, it's been interesting because uh, I remember when a mutual friend of ours, Grant Trimbali, sent me yeah. 
I actually want to say it was like around the time of like MySpace still like the tail end of that and was like, yo, you should check out this band and send me like a link or whatever. <laughs> and I remember checking it out and being like, yeah, this is cool. But like, it sounded like a lot of the stuff that I, I wasn't really, uh, at that point, I think I was just so into like hardcore and like death metal and a bunch of, like I was going like way more extreme in that direction and kind of leaving the, yeah. that stuff behind. And it's been interesting that in the last handful of years, like there, it's sort of been like a resurgence, like I said a, a little bit ago mm. of that kind of emo screamo whatever you want to call it but like bands like thursday thrice uh the used my chemical romance you know taking back sunday there's you know great more emphasis on writing and playing very well and you know it's interesting to see a band like you guys and when listening to it i was like oh man you guys could totally go out with like a dance cabin dance or you know a lot of these bands on, on warp tour that are doing really well and i could see you guys playing with them and still sounding like yourselves and having success doing that and it's it's interesting and refreshing to kind of look at it from that perspective uh but something i had in doing my research that i had kind of uh wanted to that i found actually was that you were, used to be in a band that was signed to rise records yeah uh i didn't see what the band name was so, so i couldn't look it up but i mean was it a typical rise record band like just metalcore band yeah it was a metalcore band for sure okay yeah. <laughs> i hate to say it like that but it's like you know certain no, record labels it's... when you know they're they're bread and butter it's like all right rise records is a typical metalcore label no it, it's funny because when i'm not a, i wasn't an original member and when the bass player uh who we'd actually met on myspace like classifieds or something years before he hit me up and he was like hey he didn't even tell me the band name he was like Hey man, I'm in a rise band. Do you want to join? And I was like, okay, well, what, I was like, what's the band name? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, or Every Bridge Burn. He was almost like scared to tell me, like, uh, I don't know if he's going to like it, you know? And um, because their vocalist was like trash, the vocalist on their first record wasn't their original vocalist. It was like someone they had to like scrape by last minute because they got signed and they're like, oh, we got to find a vocalist. And this dude just sound like a dying fucking donkey or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we cleaned things up a little bit and um, put out, like, we were going to do a second record through Rise, but they only offered us, like, I think three grand or something when they said they were going to give us six or oh, some wow. shit like that. Um, and, it, and they said that they had lost a lot of money with the band, which I'm sure they did. Um, but I think <laughs> for, us, um, for us at the time, like... We were down, we were just like, but we were talking, we were talking to like Ross Robinson, like Kurt Ballou and like all these really big like metal producers and shit that were wanting way more than $3,000, you know what I mean? So it's quite the um, broad spectrum of going from Ross Robinson, who's kind of known for making really raw sounding records yeah. to Kurt Ballou, who does really great at making raw sounding records that don't sound like garbage i mean i'm not saying yeah. ross, ross robinson makes garbage records i love a lot of the stuff he's done but mm -hmm. on the same token like the producer the production side of like how it's done i think it's completely different so and yeah. you know usually the stuff that does you do with kurt like it's usually of a, a very heavy nature so it would have been interesting to well, see we were heavy we were trying to go our vocalist the the newer vocalist that we got was into like a lot of really heavy shit like gaza and like really weird avant-garde like like art like hardcore shit and so we were like we were our influences were all over the place and so we were like we would pull up in a cabin um our drummers like grandma had this cabin with like a pond out in ohio somewhere crazy 
and we would just hole up and write all these weird ass songs. And so we're like, <laughs> okay, we, we need a producer who can just like kind of take what we're doing and just take put it into something that's like digestible, I guess. So, so we didn't I, have the budget for that. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say at that point though, like, are you are you contributing as the bass player or was it just kind of a, a free form like if you oh, got an idea player. i was the guitar player in every bridge burned okay yeah and um there there it was like their lead guitar player had quit like their main songwriter had quit i didn't know i thought it was like just like a rhythm dude i was replacing and i came in they're like oh yeah you're like learning all these leads and shit and all these <laughs> sweeps i was having to do sweeps which i had never really done before and had to like kind of change them up a little bit, but yeah. And so then I had to like start writing and it was really cool. Cause I was getting exposed to a lot of new bands from the vocalists. Um, he turned me on to like minus the bear and like, um, Russian circles and young, young widows and a lot of this really cool shit. And that's like when the body rampant started, we were like influenced heavily by a lot of those like really artsy, like instrumental bands and shit like that, you know? tone like super tone or yeah band and shit. well that's really it's kind of funny to bring that up when i was listening to the the full discography as of up to now even on the the first stuff you put out in 2011 i was really shocked at how well production wise it sounds like it's it's not anything fighting for the mix like typically when a band puts out their first thing you know, usually it's like, oh, the drums were not, you know, this part of the drums were too loud or the vocals were too far in the mix or you can't hear both guitars right. or whatever. And I was like, man, for 2011 and a first EP that you're putting out, like, this is actually a really good sounding record. Like, thanks, man. And upon knowing that you were in a, a signed band previously, uh, it kind of made me wonder when you were starting TBR, had was the experience that you had with, with uh, the other band, was that did that give you a better idea of maybe where you wanted to start going with this other band and, and you know, as yeah. far as sound and taking the time to, to get everything and maybe like, you know, I think a, a thing I, I typically see, and especially with people from signed bands uh, who are so quick to cash in on whatever amount of fame they still have from that band is you'll see something where it's like, Hey, well, I have this new project and it's featuring members of XYZ bands and so forth. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, man, this, this sounds kind of like shit because it's like, you find out like it was recorded in someone's like home studio and it was just, yeah. you know done so that when the other band was done they had something to push for the new tours that they were doing playing small clubs yeah. and shit and it's like right. you know I, I, the whole overall the overall arc i've noticed is it seems like you guys take your time to do shit and put out quality product uh and maybe that's a, a different assumption than than most would take just listening to your your discography but something i've seen to have noticed Thanks, I, don't know buddy. How I mean we definitely like we did, um, when we first started the Body Ramp, and we did an EP, it was called Beast, and I'm pretty sure it's online somewhere. You might not have searched super hard enough, like it's on like Reverb Nation or something. Yeah, it wouldn't have gone to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's deep out there somewhere, um, and that's kind of like where you'll find kind of more of the raw shit, like the demo each sounding type stuff that we did. Um, it was never put, you know, on Spotify or Apple Music or anything, Um we might remaster it possibly. It's just those were the songs when we first started the project. There was pianos and violins. It was kind of like when a lot like birds started. They had all this like really crazy artsy shit going on. And then we kind of scrapped that. And then um, Casey Bates, who did our EP, who produced our EP, he was actually supposed to originally do those first songs, but like uh, the email was in his junk folder or some shit. And he wrote <laughs> he wrote me back and he's like, "Hey, dude, um, do you guys still want to record?" 
And it was actually just me at the time. And he was like, do you guys want to record? And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I mean, it's just me, but I have a couple of songs I've been working on. And that's like half of the Transient Years EP was like just me going up there. And the producer like really cleaning it up like a lot, you know. In uh, something I would kind of be remiss if I didn't ask, and, and I know potentially you've been asked this a million fucking times, and you'll probably be asked a million more from here on out as more people become aware of you guys. Um, mm-hmm. The masks that were on your, I think it was Transient Ways? Transient uh, Years. Transient Years, sorry. With that's the the shitty part about like at my job is like I can listen to music, but the flip side You're is like, I, can't enough, ha- I can't have my phone on me, so it's like you can't look You're at close. song titles and shit. Um, but with that, I noticed, uh, and especially like I said with Grant, you know, pushing you guys hard for the last you know six seven years, mm-hmm. uh, the mask thing was something I kind of caught on to, like in the visuals of things, like when I would see you know him sharing show flyers or videos or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then doing a little bit of research on that, it looks like it was done by Dwayne Flatmo. Is that am I pronouncing that yeah. correctly? Yes. Uh, so yeah. I think in something I had read of yours, you said he was like a street artist, more like doing graffiti and stuff like that, like tagging and so forth. Uh, it's not like tagging. He does like murals and stuff okay. like that. All right. Illegal, legal tagging, I guess. <laughs> um, so in that regard, like, how long have you known Dwayne and were the masks something he was doing for a completely different project? And you were like, yo, that's kind of dope. Like it would be cool to yeah. kind of have that be a visual for what I'm doing or totally. that's, yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, he, he's like a local legend up here up in Humboldt County. And, um, I've lived up here since I was five. So I'd always been stoked on his artwork and stuff. And I think it was like, right when I was starting the band, I was like, upstairs up here like on my computer i think i emailed him one time and then he didn't write me back and then because i i think i may have seen the masks on something on his website because um tom green had worn them on the tonight show okay back in the day if you if you look up Dwayne flatmo masks you can find all that kind of shit like our masks that we use but it's like they're they were used for these kinetic sculpture um like a, a vehicle thing that he made this race that goes on up here. It's an annual race where these dudes make these crazy rides. Okay. Um, and so he didn't, he didn't initially write me back. And then I went on Facebook and I think I like added him on Facebook or something and then <laughs> sent him like, I like slid through his DM basically. <laughs> and then like, you know, it went down in the DM from there for sure. You know what I mean? So what, <laughs> What about the masks? Did, drew you, what drew you to the masks? Like to be a part of they're a visual sick. representation for your band? Yeah, and they're they're epic. I mean, I had seen five of those dudes standing there, and it's like it just and I was like, oh my god, like that's it's. I mean, I know like Slipknot has done it, but it's like these things are like handcrafted, like you know, paper mache type cardboard, crazy like Picasso looking shit. So yeah, for me, um, I'm I've been like drawing since i was a little kid i've been drawing just as long or actually i've been drawing probably five years longer than i've been playing guitar you know so i'm like super into art and stuff so for me playing in a band it wasn't enough dude playing in a band wasn't like <laughs> enough for me to like to keep my attention and to keep it fun because so, being in a band can suck it could be really depressing it could be whack so like there's times where we'd all like we're over it and wanted to throw in the tile and shit but um the things that make it fun for us um 
is you know largely based on the music and us getting together and playing shows and that's like what really does it but in the background we we're always having fun like you know like halloween's coming up so we want to put out something in, like with the masks and stuff because it's time of year people kind of expect that from us so have you made a pumpkin carving with any of the masks yet like uh, the pumpkins nah, we were we, when we were in atlanta we did some shit like that we like we we ran around with the mask, but now we haven't we haven't carved them yet. They're like really like defined and crazy, so we'd have to have someone like Dwayne <laughs> knock that one out probably. Uh, you kind of had mentioned, well, you didn't kind of you did mention Slipknot. Something I've kind of wondered because you know it was on the masks and, and the the visuals were on on the cover of that EP, and I kind of had wondered. It seems like you know a lot of times like. Did people only associate you guys with just the, that and kind of blow you off before they even took any time to listen to any of your music? Like, do you feel like yeah, it like people think a we're hindrance? Or something? Yeah. yeah, that's gonna happen, um, and that's probably why a lot of people that might not like us, like because a lot of people like know who we are and I've heard of us, but they don't. They might not fuck with us or whatever. They think we're you know whatever. But yeah, that's gonna happen with any band though. Like for me, it was like. I figured people would be more apt to checking us out, like, not knowing, like, because when you look at a band's picture, you can kind of tell, like, okay, those dudes are, like, a fucking post-hardcore band, you know, they're wearing deep Vs, like, the swoop, <laughs> the swoop emo hair, like, they probably do breakdowns and shit, um, <laughs> which is, like, our last band, so, like, for me, yeah, I was just kind of wanting to, like, not have our, our book judged by the cover necessarily because mm-hmm. people a lot of people when they see us they think we're like a heavier band too like slipknot um because we were in like rock sound magazine kerrang which you know they care they usually post like about heavier rock bands so people would see us looking all dark and they'd be like oh they're playing with arm for sleep like oh that's weird <laughs> that's like our biggest influence you know so well i was gonna say too you know would you want to progress and working with Dwayne maybe progress the the visuals with the, like different masks changing them sort of like Slipknot has done maybe to sort of tell a, a different narrative of like you know this is a narrative that the the visual of the band or these characters that kind of are associated with the band now represent something you know that's specific to us this new album or whatever album you know keeps coming out yeah I mean I can't say too much but Oh um, shit! <laughs> we, we'll, we've already done that in the past a little bit on the last record on Midnight Mayfair. We had these vultures that were cruising around, and those were made by by Dwayne as well. We actually did a music video with them that we never ended up releasing because our old manager didn't want us to release this. Some stupid shit. Um, but uh, so we had vultures that were made by Dwayne. Um, we had this like fake like mayor of the of of uh, Mayfair. His name was Tom Brayer. And he was made by Dwayne. He has his big ass fucking forehead, and uh, he was cool. <laughs> um, and then for the new record, we have some some new shit, some crazy shit that we're gonna do. That's we're really stoked on. Um, so yeah, we're definitely like. I wish Dwayne could be a little more involved, but Dwayne is like a super, super busy. busy guy. Yeah. yeah, he does Burning Man and all that kind of crazy shit. So it's funny because again, another correlation to the use that I kind of put together with it too is very much how the band associated with Alex party early on and yes, how definitely. Alex did a really good job of, you know, within love and death. And then on, uh, lies with the liars with, uh, 
you know, a cast of characters for that specific album and, and kind of telling a story within, you know, the album liner notes and so forth of you right. know, those characters. So I didn't know if that was kind of a, something you were looking at doing more like now that you're, you know, with signed with Tragic Hero or if they were kind of like, eh, you know, let, let's kind of stop this and maybe do a rebrand of sorts. Uh, I mean, Tragic Hero lets us do whatever we want. That's why we sign with Tragic Hero. You know, I mean, they're like, they're there to like kind of just distribute our stuff and stamp, stamp their name on it and support us and, you know, maybe, you know, give us some tour support and help us get on tours. But like, yeah, I mean, so far, like everything that we've handed into them, they've been really stoked on like the new record, uh, the new album cover that we sent to them. Uh, Tommy was like, yo, this is the best album cover we've had. So they've been a label for 10 years and we're, we're giving them the best record cover. I mean, our record cover was expense you know, it was, it was <laughs> done really well. The guy who did it has been doing our websites for a long time. He's this German dude. He's crazy. Um, if I'm not the one doing the artwork and then we're going to outsource into someone who's like really dope. And, um, usually the people that we work with are really affordable too. So it's cool. So we, we just make sure that the artwork represents us properly. Something I've, I've also noticed is that in addition to you guys doing kind of stuff on your own and being very patient with everything and kind mm -hmm. of believing the process of what you believing in what you do and believe that like everything you're doing is making the right moves to get where you want to go. Mm -hmm. So often I see bands kind of do things and this is kind of becoming a, a dead horse <laughs> through my podcast over the last probably month or two, but you know, I just see bands that, that do shit and don't seem to have the foresight to figure out or the forethought to figure out what they're doing and why. Like, there, there's no goals. There's no end game. It's just right. reactions to shit. So it's like, oh, you know, typically you'll see bands, you know, overplay or oversaturate or, you know, we're going to go to this producer who has a name who's worked with, you know, X, Y, and Z bands. Yeah. And, you know, we're paying a shitload of money for it. And it's like, okay, well, what do you, why? Why are you choosing that person over someone who's a lot more affordable, near closer to you? why are you choosing that person? Is it just to say like, Hey, we recorded with this person or is it because of the connections that person may be able to get you to or whatever. And I don't feel like you guys have like ever done that. Like, it seems like you put yourself like when you, like you said, you worked with Casey on, on the EP. And then I believe like totally blanking on the dude's name that did the, the full length. Um, uh, Brian McTurney. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, you, you work with people who have, who have a name behind them and have done some, some good albums but it, yeah. I don't feel like you've ever relied on them to, to you know, be like, well, we did this record with so-and-so, so that means you should listen to it. It's like, no, like, now the work comes in. Like, we put out, we got a good record that we're proud of, and we took time working with someone who could help us take those songs, you know, and make them the best that they can be so we can right. hit the road and, and play these songs and, and build our name and build our brand. And, you know, like, you guys went to South by Southwest. Was it two years ago at this point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... To me, like I see so many bands that just go down there just to network and it's like you guys were doing showcases and I think like an interview I had seen with you guys, it didn't seem like it was a very serious interview, which is fine. But like, you know, something I, I thought was funny is like, you know, I feel like so many people go down there and they're so serious about it. Like, oh, this is going to be like how we get signed and make it big. Like we're going to impress so many people because of like, you know, we're the next big fucking band. Right. And it was kind of refreshing to see someone like, yeah, you know. We hung out with bums <laughs> and we got into a bum fight and right. like our, our one dude got hit by a bum and, you know, we were talking to somebody and, you know, bums are cooler to hang out with and we're just going to give them flyers to like spread the word about our band. And I was like, oh, finally, like a band that like kind of is just like, this is like a big party and you know what? Fuck it. Like we're here to play. We know we're, we know we know how to do what we do. 
Right. But you know, in a that thing has become such a big like industry thing that so right. many people place such importance on that it was really refreshing to see you guys just kind of like take the piss out of it and just be like, yeah, it's it's a thing and we're having fun. Yeah, I mean, I think I had to have one of the interviews taken down because it was kind of offensive. Um, in in what way? Well, I was like really fa- I was drunk and I was oh. just like saying a bunch of stupid shit. But like for the most part, like I was really into like Tyler the Creator at the time, and so like in all of his interviews, he's really like just chilling. Like he has no filter whatsoever, and I was just like the first. Well, yeah, we went to South by three years, and so pretty much all three years, I was pretty much like that. Like <laughs> you know, you know, late twenty, I was like twenty five or twenty six. You know, I just didn't give a fuck. I was just like. We had we were getting a lot of attention like early on as a band, and so like we weren't cocky, but we were like we were just like different to what was going on at South by. Especially there was a lot of these like indie hipster bands that were all doing the same shit. Every single hipster band at South by is playing the same fucking chord progressions, the same rip off shit, and um so i don't know for at south by we were just kind of like the odd odd dogs out like every showcase we did like for like during the day and you know we had a lot of shitty showcases and that's just how it was whether so we're we're always been really humble and you know if you know we we had been attacked by bums numerous times as, <laughs> as a band you know and we and that's part of the reason we don't tour as much is because we've had a lot of sketchy things happen to us on the road and when you spend you know months at a time on the road, especially as a DIY band, you stay in sketchy hotels all the time. And, you know, we're in our, half of us are in our thirties now. So it's just harder for us to kind of like put your life on hold when you're just bumming it out there, dude, you know? So with, uh, <laughs> do you think that, uh, cause you know, sometimes when I, I try to look up some of these, these, you know, the it band from like a south by southwest or whatever mm-hmm. and you just kind of it's like oh you know this is the band we just started and you know it was one dude and a bunch of hired people that he found to, to round out his sound it's always whatever. like a month later they get signed by atlantic or yeah do you think like and kind of going back to something i kind of said but do you think you coming from a hardcore background sort of and also a lot of the other things you were doing you know, growing up where you do, where it's just like a melting pot of stuff. Do you think that that has allowed you to kind of look at different, like what's going on and kind of being like, I'm going to take a little bit from this, a little bit from this, very much like Tyler, the creator, like a dude pulls from so many different places. And some people might be like, this is garbage, but those that kind of know what's going on, you're like, holy fuck, that's so brilliant. Why hasn't anyone else done this? Yeah. Like, do you think that that's what kind of makes you feel odd is that, you know, you have so much different backgrounds and a lot of these people, because your, your aspirations aren't to find the easiest way to, to get signed and, and just make it quote unquote. I mean, we could have, we had like a bunch of labels we were talking to back in the day that we, you know, first couple of years that we could have signed with and, and kind of followed a certain route and done a certain thing. But yeah, I mean, recently we had uh, Ryan Hunter from Envy on the Coast um, co-wrote some songs on the new record. He helped us <clears throat> arrange a bunch of the songs. He did some interludes for the record, blah, blah, blah. But what he told us was like, yeah, in order to be like a successful band, you these days you really have to pick something from left field and something from right field and just put them together because otherwise it's been done. And 
you know, if it's already been done, you have to be so just like over the top because people's attention spans are so short. But like, so he did that with his new project. And so we kind of were, you know, we all come from these different backgrounds. So if, if we could find things that we all agree on, then, then that's great. And, you know, with finding, you know, musical genres that five people can agree on can get just kind of hard. So like when we first started writing, I was writing most of the shit, like, I didn't really answer your question earlier, because, but yeah, I did write most of the stuff in the past, but as we have new members and stuff that I trust and I'm like impressed by, that's, you know, they come in like our guitar player that we've had now for about five years. Um, he does a lot of the songwriting now because he's, he's a great guitar player and, you know, we, we shared a jazz background. We were both, you know, taught by jazz artists and, you know, we wanted to do like a jazz fusion with progressive rock with hooks because there's yeah. no... There's no jazz bands out there that are doing like tapping, like some charm crazy stuff, but they didn't really have the hooks in there that really made people want to sing along and groove. And so that's kind of what we're doing with this new shit. Yeah, I was going to say, as I was listening to everything, I was like, this is probably like the most accessible, like progressive music I've heard. It's like, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and you know, I'm a sucker for, for hooks. Like something I've always said is like, you know, give me like, that's why I love a day to remember for like what they do. It's like they can be one of the heaviest bands you've heard like with their breakdowns and shit, but then they'll come right. out with like the poppiest chorus you've ever heard. And it's like, right. give me heavy with hooks like pfft, all day. Yeah. But, I mean, some people like that. Some people were like, Oh, if it's heavy, it just has to be purely heavy. Yeah. Like they, they don't want hooks, but some people are just like, Oh shit. Like you can bring in so many more people with that. That's yeah. why I didn't remember sells out freaking coliseums or whatever the fuck arenas because they're bringing in pop punk kids and they're bringing in metalcore kids. It's smart, dude. And I think a, the, a good correlation between, you know, kind of keep it back to you guys, but what's interesting too is that uh, I think uh, that something that both of, like a day to remember and you guys have done is just stuck to what you do. Like I listening to everything, like, and, and that's kind of the nice thing about you know, not having like nine albums I have to go through and, and get reacquainted. But, yeah, you know, you haven't changed your sound, but you can hear it maturing over, over the course of the, you know, the full length and the EP and a couple of the singles that you've had come out. Uh, you can hear every, you can hear the maturing and kind of figuring out what works for you guys best and what, what you like, where you're going. And you could even hear on a couple of different songs, like, Oh, here, like that's something you were doing, like on this one song, and now you're doing it a little bit more on like the on the full length, yeah. And it it's always interesting to kind of see that and kind of see, you know, because so many people are always like quick to shit on a band and be like, oh, I don't, this doesn't sound like the last record, or I don't know where this came from. And it's like, you know, if you really sit back and, and kind of pay attention, you can kind of see the little like breadcrumbs of like this is kind of where we're gonna go. Uh, yeah, for sure. You can't really stray too far away from what you're doing. I mean, you can like. Did. <laughs> I mean, like that was our thing at the beginning, like the, with our name, the body ramp band. It was like, okay, well, we just wanted to be like crazy. We wanted to be able to do it. We didn't want to have a box within our sound. We wanted to be able to do heavier songs and more progressive songs, and then more songs with like a drum machine going and stuff like that. And so that's kind of what we wanted to do. Is you know, and we we've just slowly kind of like, in my opinion, just had better production. Like, I mean, we've always had good production, but we've, we're just kind of slowly getting producers that want to spend more time with us. And um, in that regard, like, I've learned a lot and our bandmates have learned a lot about how to record and stuff. So, you know, working with Casey and Brian and um, Matt McClellan and Eric Ron and 
all these dudes, like, we've learned a lot. And so, like, now we kind of know how to get certain drum sounds that we want and, you know, guitar tones. And I know what vocal mics I like. And um, we know what things that we can do at home. It's like, okay, well, we know we can track drums at a studio, but we can pretty much do the rest at home, send it to a mixer, and then go in and just keep overdubbing. And so we're, we're learning how to um, budget ourselves and make, you know, work within our label's budget to create a record that we're stoked on, um, which is crazy these days because that's a whole other thing within the music industry is... Um, budgets the, go away. <laughs> budgets go away. They're gone. And, I mean... I've always spent a lot of money on our recordings to make sure that they were done right. But I mean, if you look at like, I mean, Brian McTernan did our record for $7,000. So that just producing or mastering and and mixing and all that stuff, everything. He, he had his friend, uh, Paul Levitt, um, master it, which Paul Levitt did, um, all time low panic at the disco. He was their producer, but he charged us $50 a song to master those songs. And it's like, so cheap and for brian mcturnan to do our record for under ten thousand dollars is like so cheap and we spent a month living in his in his studio which is salad day studios where circa thrice hot water music converge like everyone's recorded there piebald like so we got a really good deal i think that's a thousand dollars more than we spent to to do an ep with casey bates right you know what i mean so it's crazy man how you know we've we've been able to get really good sounding recordings for a pretty like a lot of people will be like, what? You spent 7000 But it's like, you know, it's just like any other business. We just had to invest. And, you well, know. I'm sure, too, like, you know, a producer who gets a band that they're interested in and, and wants to work with, they'll, they'll figure out a way to do it so they can, you know, work with that band that they want to work with. Yeah, we've had passion projects. Like, we were actually first discovered by um, a producer who was, like, doing shit for free. So that song, Seabrinks, that we have... Um, he, he produced that song for free, and that's, that's one of the best mixes we had. Um, the band members at the time left, and so he left me as a producer as well. But um, So like that kind of fell apart. And then we were working with the, the guitar player from Glassjaw was producing us for a while, and then those songs never came together. And it was just like, there's definitely been songs that have been recorded and tracked that were just never saw the light of day. You know what I mean? That sucks. Yeah. And you haven't thought about either redoing them or revisiting them, or are they just kind of like long and gone uh, at this point? Our bass player talks about this one song in particular, like all the time, because we used to play it all the time in our set, and it's almost kind of been rewritten. Like I used like the same chord progression of the verse um, on one of our new songs on our new record, so we've kind of like we're kind of like taking riffs, and I think there's another riff that I took. Um, so we, yeah, I mean, we would either remix and master it, or I just like swoop a riff and just reuse it, you know, recycle a riff or two. It's funny. I had a long time ago when I was jamming with old roommates, I had a progression I'd never really heard. And it was kind of cool, but then we were jamming on another song and I used the exact same thing, but the same chord progression, but then I added like a little like, uh, like a lead note over it. Right. over a bar chord progression and i was just like he's like isn't that the same thing i go yeah but i did this instead at the tail and the other right. one is just this followed by another bar chord and then he was yeah, like pick one yeah well then i was like he goes well i mean like they both work and i was like i know they work i was like but if we ever like would do anything with these i guess i'm gonna have to like figure out which 
one I want that to be in. And he was like, right. he was like, or, you know, you just do enough shit and kind of bury like something else over it. So you can't really hear the root notes being the same. And I was like, <laughs> I, I guess, I don't know. I, that's, I'm not much of a songwriter, so I'll have to take your word for it. But I yeah. felt really conflicted about being like, I like these both, but they're, they're basically the identical chord progression. <laughs> Someone's going to well, yeah. notice. There's a jazz progression. It's a uh, and then there's like a couple of different jazz little licks that um, our guitar player showed me. And then there's they're used all over the jazz like scene. Like there's just certain licks, and it's like the same thing with like post hardcore. It's like there's a fucking lick. I don't know. It's just like a lead, just like the. Oh yeah. It's just like. Um, actually, got to talking about a bunch of different bands and, and writing songs. I had actually found that you apparently were a collaborator on Being as an Ocean's first record. Uh, the wasn't the first record; it was the self-titled one. Okay, the one with like the the painting of the chick on the front, the black one. I I didn't see that. It just it brought your name up when I was uh, was trying to find interviews you had done, and then that was something that when I googled it, it popped up and it was like uh jam lopez uh collaborative writer co-writer on being as an oceans record and i was like oh shit yeah. <laughs> is that something you do a lot of like collaborating no nah, that or? was just nah um tyler's my homie their guitar player and daniel Wan from capsize he's like the homie they're like those dudes are like brothers you know so they were by rampant fans from like very early on and we'd played shows with their band and stuff and so that just kind of popped up because Tyler, because Being As Notion tours so much, you know, they, they tour. Yeah, we so. just went and saw them on Warped Tour. My wife just got into them because uh, yeah. she was out in, I think, Utah or whatever and went and saw them with 100th, which is a band I got into a couple years ago. Right. And she was like, oh, I love this band Being As An Ocean. So we went and saw them. I just became, a, I've known of the name, just not aware of the music until very recently. So when yeah. she was playing a bunch of their music, uh, and I saw that, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, I don't really, and again, I didn't really click on the link, but, you know, I think it's interesting when you kind of get into more people who write a lot of music and play a lot of different instruments is that you are able to find that, you know, like Bruno Mars wrote a lot of songs for a lot of people before he struck it on his own, or like Lady Gaga wrote like shit for Britney Spears. And right. then eventually, like, you know, they just kind of come out from behind the scenes and start you know, wanting to be writing and playing their own songs. So I didn't know if like, that was something that you had been doing, like collaborating with a lot of artists and, and writing and just kind of being a behind the scenes guy, or if it was just kind of like a one-off thing. No, I mean, I, I'd helped like capsize hit me up. Like Daniel from capsize hit me up when he first started like singing with them. He was, you know, we would do FaceTimes and he would just kind of, he would sing me melodies and I would kind of just like be like, Oh, we'll sing that in the higher register and just really belt it. And, you know, just little things like, that I would help him with and like with the being as an ocean thing I like co-wrote pretty much every song and so like that those things came up and I've been trying to do things uh I'm, I'm like down if it makes sense and you know if it's worth my time I'm down if people hit me up to, to make it work but like those were that being as an ocean record was like the main thing that I've done um outside of the body rampant you know like so that was cool um just to say that I did it was like the main reason, you know, was, you know, we got into some beef because I didn't make anything off of it. And, uh, we, we got a manager off of it who we have since fired and being as an ocean has since fired. Um, but I, you know, and I said some shit on Facebook to about being as an ocean, and like, yo, like you guys never did shit for us and blah, blah, blah. But 
in reality, Tyler um, has pushed uh, pushed us to a lot of people. Um, he tried getting us on Equal Vision. Daniel tried getting us on Equal Vision. Um, so I'm still cool with Tyler. Like we're 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 straight, but like I I think I just thought I would get paid. You know, we, I was under the understanding that I was going to get paid for the, my work. And uh, Nick from Invogue never sent me a check. There was never a check written. Uh, I don't care about the money shit. I think. I was just hoping that maybe they would put us on a show or two. Um, I know they have an agent and they don't really control their touring that they do, but if they have a local show, they could have thrown us on. That would have been cool. And so I was really butthurt about that. So. Right. Understandable. I <laughs> didn't mean to, to bring up all that. I, I Like I said, I just pulled up that thing and I was like, huh. And, you know, because I think that's something that a lot of people, like, I feel like a lot of people nowadays are, are – I think becoming more open to, to co-writes and mm -hmm. I think it's something that a lot of the casual fans that casual fans of bands are kind of starting to learn about too is that their their favorite singer or or lyricist or whatever may not have written <laughs> the song that yeah. they love the most that somebody right. else is responsible excuse me responsible for it right and something that I kind of you know and you talking about working with the producers and stuff like that was you know, that, you know, you had talked about earlier about, you know, how you've been working with other artists on or co-writers and stuff like that on the newer stuff is yeah. that, you know, I don't feel like that's something that a lot of bands, especially younger, quote unquote, younger bands take advantage of is, you know, someone that can help make a song better. Like they're, they're so oh, yeah. dead so set on being like, oh, it's, it's me and it has to be me, all me. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes like the best song is the one, you know, that it may not be the one you write. It's some, you know, like. Right. ideas and stuff like that and i think people are afraid to collab or whatever for whatever reason so it's kind of yeah. interesting to hear that you know you between being a co-writer yourself and, and co-writing with others that you know it's something i think is is a probably is what helps you make the best song oh yeah for sure i mean that's how a lot of our best songs that came about because our we let our producers kind of take the rain and, and uh the melody line for uh seabrink's uh, our producer wrote you know he i had the lyric and he had the melody and we put it together and it made a dope chorus you know it's, and i don't mind giving him props for that i mean they being as an ocean um actually gave me props and they had a four-page um alternative press spread and they my name's written in the article you know as a co-writer in their album so they didn't joel didn't have to do that like joel fucking just you know gave me props and you know I, i'm really thankful that they did that you know that was that was probably a, a little bit of exposure, but it's just for me, that's really cool, you know? Right. So, uh, it was kinda, worth it for me. Yeah. Kind of moving on to signing with Tragic Hero. You guys recently announced that, even though <laughs> this was actually in, and maybe not to your, your knowledge, but uh, Grant and I have been talking about doing this for a few months, actually. And yeah. I had to kind of put it on hold until the announcement was made. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so when you guys finally announced it, like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, finally, can, can we do this conversation? Because uh, yeah. even without this, I, I just wanted to kind of talk to you guys because I think, uh, you know, you guys put out good music. And I think mm -hmm. the the image and stuff like that and, and kind of being a very conscious band of, of a lot of the things you're doing, I think is is interesting and refreshing considering like i said a lot of bands just do shit aimlessly and, and don't have any rhyme or reason as to why they do things and i don't think that's yeah. how this band has been handled from day one no. uh but you guys put out a new song uh northern sky yeah and it is this actually a song that's going to be on the album or is this just a, a like promotional single okay 
I was going to say, because a lot of times you'll see this where it's like, oh, the song, and then it's not on the, it's like a B-side basically or whatever, like a promotional single that people use. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. What, uh, how did you end up getting Bradley Walden from Amorosa, who's also a Michigan native? Uh, that was Grant, actually. Okay. I kind of figured the Michigan tie yeah. to, to get that, but. Yeah. Uh, Grant's known Bradley for a while from when he was in Squid the Whale and stuff like that. Great band. Um, Bradley has been a fan of our band since then, you know, since back in the day, since the transient years days. And he's, we, I, th- I think we, pl- I don't think we played with Good the Well. I think we just went to their show out in Canoga Park back in the day, like, you know, eight years ago or something, seven years ago. Um, and I, I had always been really, um, fond of him as a, as a front man. He's always been just an amazing front man. Like, holy shit, that's what he was born to do, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I think me and Grant were like brainstorming like who we want on the record, um, and he Grant was like, "Yo, I can get Bradley. Like, I could at least try. I'll, you know, I can give you his number or whatever." And so um, we met up with Bradley at House of Blues. We had a show at House of Blues in like I think it was Orange County is when they were at um, Disneyland. Okay. And um, he came out to the show and we kicked it and you know we kind of discussed what we wanted and um, we just when we recorded the new record we just left certain spots open in each song. Um, either letting it like be part for a guitar solo for someone else to come in, like a guest player to come in, or you know, we have a saxophone player that came in on a part, or a guest vocalist player, or whatever. So, um, we let him write the lyrics. I mean, I think I sent him my lyrics to the song, what it was about, and then he he wrote his lyrics and it just like, I think it only took like a couple months, and we gave him like a couple hundred bucks or something. It was really like super chill and. Yeah, we were really stoked that he did it for us, and yeah, came came about and it came out really good. So it was yeah. When I saw it, I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting because he hasn't really that I've noticed he hasn't done any guest vocals since he's been in Amorosa yet. Uh, So this is like one of the first features I think he's done on someone else's stuff, and I kind of figured it was probably Grant who kind of helped facilitate that, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah, most definitely Grant. (laughs) Grant set up for sure. Uh. Who are some, and we'll kind of wind this down, who are some uh, other guests that you would love to have, you would love to either you just work with writing, whether it be for, for Body Rampant or just songs in general or working with people for their shit? Like, who would you, dream collaborations, who would you love to work with? Um, You know, there's there's dudes like, you know, Dave Grohl that would be sick to drum on the record or something like that, have him drum on a song. <laughs> Um, we tried getting Thundercat um, to play bass on the record. He's this crazy funk bass player. It's from Parliament? Uh, uh, nah, he's like a newer dude. Okay. Um, crazy ass dude. Um, uh, shit, man. I don't know. Like, There was a bunch of fools that we tried to get. We tried to get Jason from Let Live. Um, I sent him the song and he was, he was digging it and then um, never really got him to, to lay down the track. And then we sent it to Joel from Being As Notion, and then he never really had the time to do it. And then we ended up sending it to Daniel from Capsize, and that was um, Small Side Effect, which just came out, which we released a year ago. It's, it's on the record as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. I think our, our drummer and guitar player would have a better answer to this question than me because they love all these crazy players and stuff. But for me, it's... We, we actually pulled off a lot of the collabs, you know, that, that we wanted, which was kind of cool, you know? We're, uh, with 
it seems like with this this record's probably been done f- from what I've gathered for a little while now. A couple years. Yeah. <laughs> how long is it? How does it feel to to finally be on the cusp of this thing coming out? Like, are you ready for it to come out and and grind behind it for like a year or two, or is are you already yeah. like itching to be like? All right, fuck that. That's done now. Like, let's start writing new shit. And like, you're already thinking about the next record because you've been sitting with these songs for as long as you have. It's like both, you know. I mean, we're ready to like knock out these music videos and stuff, and and do all like the cool artsy promotional stuff because that's like what's really fun about being in this band is like taking the masks and doing promo stuff with the masks. Because when we go into public with those things, people like flip out and we get a lot <laughs> of attention. And it's fun. Um, once we can kind of like get the album announced and maybe like pre-orders up, I think that's when we're going to start like writing more, you know, more shit. Cause like, excuse me. Um, we are like, it's for me, especially my mindset's been all over the place, you know, just getting the deals. We signed the deal back in January. So like it's been yeah. taking a lot of time to getting everything, the album art, um, the marketing stuff and all that shit so like that kind of shit on top of your everyday life definitely takes up a lot of space in your brain to where you just like have like it's kind of like a writer's block almost where you're just like not even you don't feel creative like whatsoever yeah and so yeah we're gonna start i think in the next like two two or three months we'll probably start writing like me and james uh, our drummer actually wrote about two or three songs uh, about six months ago so like so we kind of just like weave writing songwriting like in and out and i think we might use like one of the songs like one of the songs we wrote it's like pretty fucking cool so it's kind of just about you know um taking things and just like doing like three or four different demos until the song is like exactly how it should be and a lot of the times when we do a full-length record we don't have enough time to like fully demo out the song each song properly right um the the collaboration that we did on one of the records with with a drummer that were I think it's going to be one of the next songs we put out. Um, I, I actually did a demo of the song like five times on my computer before we sent the song to him. Um, I think by the time I had finished writing the song, he he didn't even listen to it. He was like, "All right, like what be, what's the BPM?" And then he just went in there and just like laced out and just crushed it. <laughs> it's funny um, how people can do that. Yeah, I mean he's a Grammy award winning drummer, so we were able to like get some fucking get some beasts on the record man are you uh it it is funny that i don't think people realize the process especially are you guys i assume you guys are going to put this record out on vinyl and maybe that's what's been holding it up to you no that hasn't been what's holding it up um i think um we're going to release the vinyl later we're going to like the record and then put out the digital you know version i can't really say too much but yeah it's not going to all come out at once like we're we're definitely going to like string things out and like, so you're going to pull a Kanye with the life of Pablo and just keep putting out remastered, three different versions of the yeah, same record. Keep, yeah. <laughs> Adding to it. The, yeah. We're going to add different players to different sections of each song. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> uh, no, cause I think yeah. that, you know, that's something that uh, a bunch of bands, you know, they'll do the pre-orders and stuff like that. And people are like, well, why is it taking so long? It's like, well, there's like a five, six month le- uh, headway on getting vinyl yeah. done. So I didn't know if that was something that was taking a little while or something you've been thinking about with, uh, obviously being a very visual, uh, focused band on, you know, making sure you have a lot of different ways to present your band. So I figured maybe right. that was a medium you would take advantage of. 
No, we are. Um, we've actually never... We, we did a 7-inch uh, through In the Clouds Records uh, last year, but it was a lathe cut 7-inch, so it was kind of like a really super DIY thing. Um, other than the lathe cut, we haven't released any vinyl, so um, we're actually really stoked. Uh, we're going to release the album on vinyl, and we're actually going to release um, all of our old previous material on vinyl. Um, independently, we're just going to do that ourselves, and so... We're gonna have a bunch of different vinyl colors for each, um, you know, each release will have a different variant and stuff like that. And so, you can you can buy the new record through the label, and you can buy the old stuff through us. So there's we've been pitched to so many labels, dude. I mean, so many fucking labels, and we've actually had meetings and and had labels come out to our shows a lot. Like, you know, fucking. I could triple crown roadrunner uh That's just weird. A, a bunch and they're random uh razor and tie hit us up um I'm just like dropping all these random ass names but yeah it, it's just kind of random when uh you know a really big label like razor and tie is like a major label you know yep. and a lot I was people... surprised you guys didn't end up on equal vision like when I kept listening to your shows like god there's like so many bands that you yeah, guys would I fit mean, with on that label We'd been pitched to Equal Vision by probably three or four <laughs> different people, and Equal Vision was just not about us. Um, that dude uh, was just like, I, I don't, yeah, I mean, that's the way I look at it. I think we would fit really well on that label, but um, Tragic Hero is really cool because they had bands that are heavier that crossed over into almost like a metal hardcore genre. Right, and that's not necessarily the area that we want to go. But when you come to our show and you come to, and you you kind of see the energy that, that, from what I can tell from a YouTube video, very right, much seems like yeah. that kind of vibe. Yeah, we're not about chilling. Like we're all about like we want to write these like really chill songs, and like we love like dream pop and like all this like really chill vibey music. But like we're so crazy live that we can't even like settle down we can't even like perform any of those songs live because all we want to do is just go crazy and so like yeah so for equal vision would have been cool for that but um equal vision also has a lot of bands that don't do anything and that are shelved and have eventually been cut from the label um being as notion actually just bought themselves out of their equal vision contract before they could even release their record um so they're, you know, we've had friends, bands that have been dropped by the label. And so hearing things like we've actually heard more negative things about Equal Vision than we have about Tragic Hero. So um, Tragic Hero actually tried to sign the Body Rampant like a long ass time. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, Every Bridge Burned uh, a long ass time ago, um, which was when we were like in between our rise shit. And so I think Every Bridge, or, uh, Every Bridge Burn was a good like kind of introduction to getting in with those labels because um tragic hero actually had been following us for like quite some time they they had emailed us on facebook and we're like hey we've been watching you guys for like years like do you guys have a new record and we're like yeah we've been sitting on this record and like what's your what's your email like where she you know and then so we sent it to him and the record is already done when when tragic hit us up we we were actually in the process of um sequencing it and mastering it and making sure that it flowed the way we wanted to flow and everything so crazy uh kind of the last question i always end these episodes with a with a song what would you like me to play the episode out to 
Um, yeah, I mean, you can play Northern Sky. I mean, that's that's the new song we're trying to push. I mean, it's it's vibey and it's 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 definitely the direction that we're trying to go into more. It's like heavy rhythms, but the chords are really pretty and the guitar tones are really pretty. And um, we're trying to like dial down on our distortion on our guitars because you know people really like listening to like music that's a little more like chill we've noticed and um <laughs> so that's you know that's what i kind of want people to listen to you know that's that's the song that we're playing live like we open up our set with that song and we think it brings in a lot of people so what can you yeah. tell me about it lyrically about it uh lyrically it's about um a guy who's like a drunk and goes off into kind of like his own little world but like it starts out he's in the bar and and then it goes off into some kind of like love where like once Bradley get, got a hold of it, it turned into some like love, a lot of love <laughs> kind of stuff going on. Crazy. Uh, but it's also <laughs> about like um, letting go of things that you can't, that you can't change. And that's like pretty much the chorus. And, you know, just a lot of my lyrics are just about like life and, you know, just interweaving like cool life stories with like poetic shit and, trying to be is I mean, writing lyrics is hard that's the hardest part about this band so it's like i figured it would be arranging some of the stuff you're doing within the songs and and finding because something i kept uh, thinking to myself as i was like holy shit your, your your melodies and shit they are so good in everything like they just are they soar and so like i was like fuck like to me i feel like that'd be the harder thing is like writing strong melodies like you do not necessarily putting the vocals over it or even arranging the parts to to make the punch of the strong like hooks and shit like that much more. I figured that would yeah. be the harder part. No, thanks man. No, I mean for me, musically the music stuff just kind of like comes out, you know, like it just, it's been there since I was a kid. And so like the music stuff's easy, but being like letting your emotions out, especially in front of other people is, has always been like, what's hard, you know, what's hard to do. Like, especially being in the studio, you got your producer right there and you got like your bass player and your guitar player right there. And you're like, trying to be like you know you're pouring your heart out and it's like if you really want to connect with these people you have to be super emotional or else it's gonna it's not no one's gonna fucking be able to like even listen to your shit and so um yeah the music stuff we can just shit out so we can shit out instrumentals all day and it'll be butter but <laughs> and then i have to sit on him for like months and months to and the melodies the melodies are, is another thing too which can take time you know because i like the verses to be really low key and then when the when the hook comes in and that's where I, I have trouble i mean i don't i'm not really a hook guy i don't really write hooks but when i have people there to like guide me or help me and you know, if i had the right producer to like yo like try this melody so you mean like you know like we were talking about earlier so it's like i i definitely need help and it's when when i'm rushed sometimes things turns out cool and sometimes they don't and so it's it's really just about taking your time, and that's what we've learned. You know, do you do you write like lyrics or or poems or whatever? Do you write constantly, or no. are you like one of those like only when I need to? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much one of those only when I need to guys. Um, I really want to start like reading more, um, just like crazy ass books and just whatever, just to get my mind back in that that mind state where I'm being really creative and I want to. Um, pen down some stuff because um, as you get older you you kind of tend to lose your creativity a little bit you just kind of like you do things like you do creative shit less you know because you have to do more adult shit more and so 
it's it's really about finding uh, that creative balance and, and, and staying inspired and um, the, the rock music industry is really different now too because there's way less bands that come out that are inspiring so like Bad Rabbits just put out their last record and I was so inspired and I've, I've they've been a huge influence on me for I actually was going to say that would be a great tour oh dude yeah I mean I, I think playing with them would be amazing. I mean, we've seen them live at South by. We've kicked it with them. They're great guys. I mean, they follow us on Instagram. I mean, it's all it's all cool. But um, it's it's genre pushing bands like that 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 inspire us. Um, like this this new band Laney. They're like a pop band, but they're like really their instrumentals are just amazing. The dude's vocals are amazing, and so it's really just about the right time being inspired by the right bands that make you really want to get out there and things that are going on in your life are going to make you want to write more lyrics too. You know, like if you're kind of in a stagnant point in your life, you're not really going to want to want to write. It's like, okay, I'm fucking chilling. I have nothing to write about, you know? So it's, it's really about, you know, what's going on in your life too. Same time music. That's why the music just comes out all the time. Cause you could, you can always be, you could always write a guitar lick, you know, it might not be that tight, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, we'll end it with uh, where can people follow you and or your band across the socials? Yeah, uh, just just the body rampant on everything. All one uh, word, no I, underscores, I, no nothing, nothing weird. No, yeah, we, we were able to snag all of our, all of the social medias without any weird, um, you know, any bullshit, so... I don't. I don't have social media. I have a Facebook, but that's it. So, just follow the body rampant on on whatever. Awesome. Well, hopefully the uh, record will be out soonish, and yeah. that will mean hopefully some subsequent touring. Yeah. And then uh, uh, you guys will make it out out here to the Midwest at least. So we'll get out there for sure. Yeah, next year especially once once January comes. Actually, we have a bunch of stuff we're planning right now. Um, Trying to get a couple tours. One of the tours we're trying to get on right now is an East Coast tour. So it's fun. Yeah. I would, we'll get there, man. I was gonna say I just heard that uh, someone was talking about how they, <laughs> their band or a band they're looking at touring with, is booking for 2019 already. I was like, Jesus that's Christ! And yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> People book. The bigger your band is, the farther out you you book for. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, we book like two months out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, get her done. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I will let you go, John. and thank you for uh, taking the time to chat with me. And uh, yeah, most definitely, man. Hopefully, uh, be seeing you guys soon. Oh, you will for sure. All right. Enjoy the rest Thanks, of your night. Brother. So that was my chat with J.M. Lopez of the band The Body Rampant. Uh, we kind of got into a lot of different topics uh, there between songwriting and the band formation a little bit, and J.M.'s co-writing background with some uh, with being as an ocean which i definitely didn't know (laughs) that whole story so uh i didn't necessarily mean to bring up something that may not have been the most positive uh experience or outcome for jam but the point of me asking that i don't really even think i kind of got it across exactly the way i wanted to when i when i re-explained it um something a lot of bands don't do is co-writes and and listening to a lot of interviews with people uh on like the jamie justice show or the justice show or whatever and, and lead singer syndrome and such something a lot of these singers and people in bigger bands talk about is publishing and you know something you know some of the singers and so forth also talk about is is co-writes and how a lot of bands used to stress out over you know writing the best lyrics and writing all these things and and 
you know, struggled with something. You know, JM kind of said that he isn't necessarily the best at uh, writing lyrics all the time. Like, you know, his thing is, you know, writing the music and, and so forth. And he kind of struggles with the lyrics. And, you know, a lot of band people will be like, oh, you know, once I did the first co-write with somebody and realized, like, you know, the whole point is to make the best song that I can it ends up being a thing where it kind of opens new doors for that band because now they realize like we can make better songs because we're writing with better musicians and you know at the end of the day it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm a shitty songwriter or anything like that it just means that maybe it takes you know these other people to help me finalize like the the vision i have for these songs and, and make them as good as I, I think they can be and should be and so for a band to have you know for jm to to be co-writing for a band like being as an ocean or to work with other artists you know is a, an interesting thing that i don't think a lot of younger bands uh, do or have the experience doing and so i just wanted to see if that was something that you know was a maybe future endeavor of J, jm's of working with other bands or if people you know had reached out to him to to co-write uh, songs for them or whatever so uh, that's that's where I was trying to go with that. I wasn't necessarily trying to dig up some some bullshit between uh, being as an ocean dudes and, and all those guys. So um, just wanted to clarify that. Interestingly enough, as I was listening back to this episode and, and editing everything, I decided to do Facebook Live and Instagram Live. Uh, upon having like pages and shit like that, uh, I get updates constantly from Facebook and Instagram and emails and, and all the, all that shit. Uh, saying that I, people want to hear what I have to say and that I should utilize some of these other tools at my disposal. And a lot of times I feel like people oversaturate as it is with social media. And like I had said a couple episodes ago, uh, Joe Gal is somebody, or Gall, I'm sorry, I mispronounced his name. I think that's the East Coast in me coming out. Um, Joe Gall ends up uh, utilizing all of his social media to show you his world from his perspective, but like none of it is the exact same. Like you can go to his Facebook and his Instagram and his Instagram story and his Facebook story and his Snapchat and Twitter and everything's everything's unique. Like it may be showing the same things happening, but it's completely different shit happening within that time frame. And I really think that's commendable and I don't see a whole lot of people doing that or utilizing social media in the way that he does. So I've tried to take a, a small page from his his social media habits. Uh, so I decided to try Facebook Live from the John's Untitled podcast page on Facebook. And a couple people were watching. Uh, I don't have the strongest presence on, on these sites. So, uh, but I went to Instagram and there was uh, a couple people that were interacting with me during the, the live chat. And so it was interesting. Uh, I got asked, you know, a couple of questions about how I felt about the chester bennington thing uh which i haven't really talked about i got asked you know um getting different people on the podcast and so forth it was interesting i think i'm gonna try to utilize that maybe make that like a once a week thing between the two two mediums and uh you know answer people's questions kind of give people a, a background and as to you know what this looks like on my end because you might be hearing this but you don't know exactly what it looks like while i'm doing it so uh if you would like to uh Follow me and see what I'm up to, what it looks like, the office I sit in and when I do this. I kind of gave a tour on Instagram of, of the office and kind of talked about the bands that I've worked with, uh, some of the shows I've gone to over the last you know handful of years and so forth. Um, I don't know. I just I sometimes think you know seeing what people do in their their work environments and such is interesting. So 
don't know, trying to be as transparent with this as possible. But if you want to follow me, you can on Facebook and Instagram at John's Untitled Podcast, all one word. You can tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod, and you can email me at John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com. JM has a Facebook. If you would like to find him, he's under JM Lopez. You can follow him there. That's the only form of social media he himself has. Otherwise, if you would like to follow The Body Rampant, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever social media you like to use. They are on there at that. They uh, were one of the lucky people who were able to secure all of their Instagrams and socials and such with uh, just their, their band name and not have to put any like... Well, on this one, it's the Body Rampant Band, and on this one, it's TBR Band, whatever, you know, shit like that happens, and it's kind of confusing when you have to have, like, nine different uh, ads for various social media. Um, but, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed talking with JM, like I said in the intro, and as you kind of heard during the chat, uh, this has kind of been a long time coming. Uh, Grant and I have been talking about doing this for a while. Uh, we've been talking about Body Rampant stuff for many years we've tried collaborating on doing a tour between a couple of bands that we both book and have booked uh they didn't come to fruition but grant and i are always working uh, and it always seems to be centered around the body rampant and so this was just long overdue and i gotta say jim was very gracious with his time he was very chill uh very much to be expected if you listen to their music so I just want to say thanks to Jam and thanks to Grant for allowing me to do this chat and getting it all scheduled up. And we are going to end the episode, as we always do, with a song. And as you heard Jam say, we're going to play it out with a new song that they dropped recently called Northern Sky. This features Bradley Walden of the band Amorosa, formerly of the band Squid the Whale, uh, a local product here out of Michigan, which equally is great. Uh, they did a one-off reunion show not that long ago at a festival here in Michigan called uh, Bloodfest. And uh, if you are if you like what Bradley does over in Amorosa, definitely check out Squid the Whale. Uh, I would actually really like to get Bradley on this podcast, but I don't really know that he does much press. So uh, maybe down the road. But this is uh, Northern Sky. It's the new track by The Body Rampant. It'll be coming on their upcoming debut from Tragic Hero Records. Uh, very much looking forward to this record, very much looking forward to seeing what this band has to offer and what 2018 has in store for these guys, whether it be touring, maybe that Bad Rabbits Body Rampant tour will happen. Um, and if you're not familiar with Bad Rabbits, go fucking check them out too. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, this is Northern Sky. Talk to you next week.
forget about it so you can find her sleep at night. Love will cover, see the sky, and make a wish before you wake up to see the northern sky transcend Let's go!